Tell the Holy Spirit that He is welcome to unearth those things you had long buried. Tell the Holy Spirit He is welcome to rip open those wounds you had covered but they had never really healed. Tell the Holy Spirit that He is welcome to embarrass you even in this service. Tell him that he is welcome. That we are the clay. And he alone is the potter. The word of the Lord says, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. As in the day of provocation, tell God, your mind is made up, you will not be hardened. Tell God, your mind is made up, you will not be stiff-necked. Yield yourself to Him. Yield yourself to Him. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Do with us, O God, all that you had planned and proposed. Receive every credit in Jesus' name. Today, I want to thank God and I want to thank Father and the Lord for the privilege of sharing God's word with us. We are dealing with the kingdom lifestyle and today we had talked about it on the Wednesday. Today we have couched it slightly differently. We are talking about something that belongs squarely to the kingdom and it's not found in other pretenders of the way and that is forgiveness from the heart. Can you look at your neighbor and say forgiveness from the heart? Can you say it again? Forgiveness is what makes Christianity unique. Others talk about the law of karma. Others say, surely, what you do, you will carry it some day. But in Christ, we have this unique, it's not a concept, it's living reality living reality of forgiveness. What, what does forgiveness portend? Let's take a look at somebody who um, we know. Uh, you remember that in 1999 when Obasanjo took over that there was uh, someone that was the speaker of the House of Reps. Do you remember him? Aha. And he falsified his age and he uh, he became known that he said he was this age, but he wasn't that age. And uh, his sentence was clear. He was found to be a wrongdoer. And somebody took his place. And when the process was over, President Obasan just said, I pardon you. Do you remember that? 
And you remember that after that, I pardon you. The man who took his place said, I resign. Hallelujah. Aha. He was about to get back when the house said, no, we don't accept this resignation. So, when we are talking about forgiveness, it means clearly that I was wrong. The evidence has been stacked against me and it has been proven in a competent court of jurisdiction that I am a transgressor. And the just punishment has been pronounced against me for that which I did wrong against the state. But the president, the king, whosoever it is that is the head of government says, even though you are wrong and have been proven to be wrong, you are acquitted. Now that acquitting doesn't just let you go, it expunges the error from your records. And anything that would be deprived you because you were in error is removed. That is what? Forgiveness. So, when Obasanjo was forgiven, it was expunged and he had the opportunity now to become the president of Nigeria. So we are talking about forgiveness from the heart. Hallelujah. Forgiveness from the heart. There are people who appeared to have forgiven because you ask me why are we talking about forgiveness from the heart. That phrase, forgiveness from the heart, incidentally is Jesus' phrase in Matthew chapter 18, verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do to any one of you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Quickly, in First Kings, we see the handover note of David to Solomon. And in his handover note, he spoke of somebody. Somebody that had cursed him with a grievous curse when he was fleeing from Absalom. When David was coming back, that Shimei fell down and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't mind my foolishness. David said, I swear to you, you will not be killed. And all through David's reign, he felt he had been forgiven. But in the handover notes of David to Solomon, he said, you see that Shimei? Use wisdom and make sure he does not go down safely. That was not forgiveness from the heart. It was a political thing. As a political leader, now that I'm coming back as king, I have to make sure that everybody is feeling good, feeling happy. But I find a way to deal with you. So forgiveness from the heart is not one that lies in wait 
for an opportunity to get even when it is convenient, when your hands will not be seen as the one that executed it. You see, we all have need to forgive. I don't know if you have experienced some bitter wrong done against you. Please, when we talk about forgiveness, we are in no way trying to justify the person who did the wrong. From the outset, we are declaring that that person is what? Guilty. That that person has done what is condemnable. That that person deserves a sentence. There's a woman whose husband left her running around, whether it is for business, whether it is after other women, but she's carrying his baby and she's bleeding and she's looking for support, emotional support otherwise from the man whose baby she's carrying. And she says, honey, you understand I'm busy. This money I'm going to make is for both of us. And pain strikes her heart. Pain hits her. How could he? You know, there are some other people whose trusts have been betrayed. They looked up to you as a father in the Lord. They shared with you those weaknesses, vulnerabilities, and challenges they were going through. And before they knew what was happening, you defiled them. And for the shame of it, they don't think they dare utter a word. But each time it comes up to the heart, it tears. Suddenly you realize that I thought I was dealing with a genuine Christian. But this person is introducing homosexuality and lesbianism in my area towards me. And you say, who would believe me? Who would believe me? Who would believe me? And so, you think you have moved on. But actually, you haven't. Hallelujah. How do we know that we haven't forgiven from the heart? Even though we have said, it's alright, it's okay, it's okay, it's alright. Well, Christians, God bless you. 
how do we know we haven't forgiven from the heart? When we have certain attitudes, one is that you find it impossible to celebrate when that individual is doing well. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15. The prodigal son's elder brother, verse 25 following. Now his elder brother... Now his eldest son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father had killed the fatted calf, because he had received him safe and sound, and he was angry. Can you say with me, and he was angry. Can you say it again? Can you say it again? And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and entreated him. When you hear that that man of God has been elevated and promoted, what emotion comes up within you? If it is anger, check it. I don't think you are forgiven from the heart. When you hear that he has retired and no controversies seem to have emerged and you are disappointed. When you find it impossible to celebrate when something good is happening to the person who has clearly sinned. Something good was happening. A party was being thrown. The fatted calf was slaughtered for somebody who deserved to be thrown out of the house. And he couldn't join in the celebration. When that is happening within me, there's no need to pretend I have not forgiven from the heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only was it that he was angry, listen to his statement. From verse 29, he said to his father, These many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gives me a key that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son. Do you have any relationship with him? He's your son. When I haven't forgiven from the heart, this woman, not my darling wife. Why? Not my son. Hallelujah. When I am not able to I Identify. You know, it was the father who said to him, Look, he is your brother. This person you are calling thy son. He is your brother. Blood joins the two of you. He's not mine alone. He's yours. You have investment in him. So when we look at it, 
and say, your minister, your president. <laughs> That's evidence that the heart still needs to be dealt with. When you believe it is unjust for him to get a raise rather than punishment, that prodigal son's elder brother was convinced that this is injustice. I haven't gotten a kid and I've been serving diligently. But he who has wasted your resources with prostitutes. Ah, Father, you should be just. How many times have we considered it unjust for the Fulanese to arrive safely when they travel through the forests? These are signs that we have not really, really finished dealing with the matter in the heart. Second Samuel chapter 13. How do I know that I have not forgiven from the heart? Second Samuel chapter 13, verse 20 to 22. Look at Absalom after Amnon raped his... Uh, raped his sister Tamar. Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? You know, he looks like he's a nice diplomatic person trying to make things good. But now hold your peace, my sister. He's your brother. You know, he seemed to have gone further than what I had talked about. He's your brother. Regard not the thing, so Am to Tamar remained desolate in her brother's house. When King David heard of all these things, he was wrought. Read verse 22 with me, please go. And Absalom spoke unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Am Absalom hated Amnon, because he had raped his sister, Samar. You can't talk to the person. You can't. Talk to the person. You are not going to open your mouth and say anything bad. But you can't. You can't sit in the same meeting with him. You can't. The moment you are asked to come and hold hands together with him in prayer, say, excuse me, I need to ease myself. Continue with your prayer. No, no, Wiggy. Stay on your own. You haven't said anything bad. You haven't said anything good. But it is impossible for you to enter into any relationship with the individual. Beloved, I need to forgive from the heart. Can you say, I need to forgive from the heart? Can you say it again? Can you say it again? 
Yes. When you hear something negative about the person, when you hear that he failed his exam, say, ah, I knew it. <laughs> ah, and I want one if. But you know my hell name, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17. First person to see it, read it. Verse 17. Don't rejoice when oh, you are so I should not fall. rejoice. Don't be happy when they stumble. For the Lord will be displeased with you. And we turn his anger away from them. Hallelujah. Do not rejoice. When we find ourselves rejoicing when someone has fallen, our enemy has fallen, that is not a Christian attitude. Amen? And listen to Job chapter 31. Verse 28 to 30. This also were an iniquity to be punished by the judge, for I should be denied by the God that is above. If I rejoice at the destruction of him that hated me, or lifted up myself when evil found him, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin, by wishing a curse on his soul. I don't understand the kind of text messages we get these days in WhatsApp. A list prayers to be prayed about those who are perpetrating evil against the church. And one of the prayer points is, God, judge them without mercy. I say, ah, can I tell God to do this? Some blatantly ask, ask that the angel of death will pass this night and kill all of them. Now, let me make bold to say, I don't care the status of the minister that says that. I don't care. I don't care the pedigree. Any statement that does not conform to Jesus is not Christian. Whether it's coming from the Anglican Communion or the Pentecostal Church, any statement that runs contrary to Christ is wrong. Put that in marble. Make no mistakes about it. You see, when someone is suffering the effects of his sin, we know whether we have forgiven. Absalom did what is despicable. Absalom overthrew his father, slept in public with his father's concubines. And when Absalom was slain, David wept. Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, Absalom, my son. 
And Job said, sure. You would have been happy if all of us had died and Absalom had lived. What did that mean? But that David had forgiven Absalom. Beloved, when I rejoice, if I hear news today, but let me tell you, let me tell you, where is not going to fall down dead? Where is going to finish this tenant? Sorry. Sorry. But if we hear news which we will not hear, that Buhari fell down dead tonight, I will begin to rejoice. That would be very, very unchristian. Sorry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David mourned the death of Saul when he died. How do I know I haven't forgiven? When my prayer is against them. In Romans, the Bible said that the prophet Elijah interceded against Israel. Lord, they have thrown down your altars and killed all your prophets. I'm the only one that is left. When we are praying against people, we don't pray that their evil should continue. No. We pray and through the power of God, their evil will stop. But we pray because that is the mind of God. That is the plan and purpose of God. That those who perpetuate evil should have their eyes opened. Jesus said, they are doing it because they do not know me. They don't know my father. That's why they can kill you and be convinced that they are doing God's service. So the solution is that the eyes of their understanding be opened. That they become people that know And they will begin by the touch and the program of God to run fast with the gospel. Hallelujah. And you say to me, but what about justice? Brother, but what about justice? God is a just God. Yes. But justice is found in Jesus. The justice of God is satisfied in Christ. The justice of God is satisfied not only when the man who sinned is paying for his sin. The justice of God is fully satisfied when the innocent substitute Christ has paid for that man's sin. And that man walks free. The justice of God is satisfied. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have we forgotten First John chapter 1? Eh? If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and... Eh? Eh? To do what? And... How many unrighteousness? Only your own. Only your own. 
don't appeal to the justice of God, forgetting that God is just in forgiving. He is just. It's no injustice that the man who slays me meets me in heaven. Having run the race more than I could have run. Hallelujah. That's the difference. So what will unforgiveness do for you? Unforgiveness will hinder your prayers. Pamela Zuzavaka shared the testimony of a sister who had issues. She just couldn't get her health back. And they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And eventually, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, she said, is there somebody you can't forgive? And they said, no. Except... Turned out that her husband had dealt hardly with her. I can't forgive him. I can't forgive him. I can't forgive him. When the forgiveness took place, the healing occurred. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter three verse seven. Husbands, likewise love your wives, eh, and live with them as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. And Jesus, when he taught about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, immediately went on to mention the issue concerning prayer. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 to 25, we have that great teaching Jesus gave concerning faith. He said in Mark 11, uh, therefore, verse 24, what things soever you desire, what things soever, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. Faith that does not forgive will not produce results. Faith that does not forgive will not produce results. You see, in Matthew chapter 18, when that man, the servant, refused to forgive, notice the things that happened to him. When he refused to forgive, the forgiveness that he had obtained and was enjoying was withdrawn. Have you seemed to be unable to make spiritual progress? For years, though you've been reading the Bible and praying and fasting, it seems you have not been able to move forward. Looks like you are in one place. It looks like you are in a kind of a bond. Check. Are there people you have refused to forgive? Because unforgiveness puts you in prison. Check. 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 I'm convinced the prophecy today 
relates to the issue of forgiveness. Check. In that place, the king said, You wicked servant. You should have forgiven like I forgave you. So when I refuse to forgive from my heart, I am becoming what? I thought I was being just. I thought I was crying for justice. But what does Jesus say I am becoming when I refuse to forgive from the heart and insist you must give me what you owe me? What did Jesus say? Eh? Call it the name now. When I refuse to forgive, as far as heaven is concerned, I am being wicked. Because I have offended God by far more. Look, in the parable Jesus gave, when you calculate how much he owed his master, selling him his wife and all his children will not be able to compensate for the amount that he owed. But this person owed him the equivalent of three months' salary. The things that I have done against the word of God, the things that I have done against Christ who redeemed my soul, are by far weightier than whatever any other person has done or could do to me. And I rejoice in the forgiveness of Christ. Then I must, must extend forgiveness from the heart to those who offend me. Otherwise, I am becoming wicked. And you know what? Offenses must come. Jesus said it is impossible, but offenses just have to come. So let's get our forgiveness cards in our back pockets, ready to flash it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something else that unforgiveness will do is it deprives you the opportunity of being a king. One day, God opened my eyes to see that it is the king who forgives. If I have an ought with you and you forgive me, whether I like it or not, you have become a king in my place. Uh, Joseph and his brothers, who forgave? Who was the ruler at that time? You miss opportunities for elevation by refusing to forgive. You want to get even. God wants you to go higher. You want to get even. God wants you to be the king. You want to get even. God is saying, no! I have something better for you. It is the person that forgives. That is the king. Whether you like it or not, there is a change in the dynamics, even if it is temporary. Amen. But that is the fact. 
and I thank God for my wife. She dishes out forgiveness for me. Many of you may not realize that I need forgiveness frequently. Amen. See how Joseph forgave from the heart. Genesis chapter 45. Thank you. Verse 4 and verse 5. Joseph said to his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, I pray you. Can you say to your neighbor, Come near to me, I pray you. You know, that is the evidence that forgiveness has not fully taken place. But it is not the brothers who are saying to Joseph, Can we come near? It is Joseph saying to them, Come near to me. Because, Come near to me, I pray thee. In other words, you comfort the person. Now, Therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, again you see where the Bible said, That repentant man that had slept with his father's concubine, receive him back again. Comfort him so that he will not be overtaken by too much sorrowing. When we forgive from the heart, we invite the person back into our fellowship. And that was what Paul commanded for that man who had wronged but had repented and was coming back. See how Joseph reacted when they came to him. In Genesis chapter 50, from verse 17, it says, Our father commanded before he died, Say to Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, which they did evil. And now we pray you, Forgive the trespass of your servants. And Joseph did what? Wept. He didn't say, <laughs> Okay. He wept. He said, ah, I thought we had settled the matter. I told you you could come near me. He wept. And after weeping, see, see his response. He says, as for you, you thought evil against me. So, genuine forgiveness does not necessarily delete the incident from the memory. But genuine forgiveness no longer holds the person on account of it. You thought evil against me. 
But God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as you see, this day, to save much people. Now, therefore, fear not. When you have really forgiven, you don't want the person to be trembling in your presence. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly to them. Hallelujah. Are we seeing the steps we are going to take to demonstrate forgiveness from the heart? To the person who has done wrong and has been proven to be wrong and deserves the wrong sentence. When you have forgiven, you will comfort the person. You will do what? Speak kindly to the individual. Isn't that what the Lord does with us? Comfort ye, comfort ye. My people. Ah. Ron, I don't know what you are doing. These people deserve what's coming to them. Yes. But I'm so clear that I deserve hellfire. I'm so clear that I deserve eternity in damnation. But the Son of God, the spotless Son of God, chose to take my pain, my sorrow, my guilt upon his spotless self and have himself cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me or my place? Hallelujah. This morning, we're almost late. A young man with his contemporaries, 12 of them from the north, had been ministering in Enugu for about 10 weeks. One of them, I won't mention his name, is from Chibok. Chibok, he says, to find someone speaking outside is not common. If you find someone speaking outside, then that person is CAC. He was in the school where the Chibok girls were captured. And my wife said, I thought it was a girl's school. He said, yes. Recently was made men's and women's school. The boys don't sleep over. It's the girls that sleep over. His grandmother had been killed in this Boko Haram issues. And he left there, stayed in Enugu, Seeking out the diaspora of those that killed his grandmother so that they might come to Christ. Fasting, praying, cleaning gutters, doing all kinds of things so that he can make an impact in the lives of those that killed his own blood. They've gone back this morning. Yesterday I was with a believer from Plateau State and he was saying you don't have the right to preach forgiveness but those of them whose blood have been killed have the right to preach forgiveness. I said okay. Nuhu has the right. Oh, I shouldn't have mentioned his name. Has the right to preach forgiveness and he does. And he does. And he has left his place, left other things, given his time, 
given his labor for the souls of those that killed his grandmother. And we, uh, Father, deliver us. Have mercy upon us in Jesus' name. You see, God's plan for you cannot be aborted by anybody but yourself. So forgive the person who offends you. When you're walking closely with God, the way people offend you cannot prevent what God has in mind for you from coming to pass. Amen? How do I help myself to forgive? Because the Bible says that we should forgive as Christ forgave us. In Colossians 3 verse 12 and 13. And Christ forgave us when we had not apologized. The Bible says they crucified him. One on the left, one on the right with him. And he prayed, Father, forgive them. When did Caiaphas offer apology? When did Pilate offer apology? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's how we're expected to forgive, as Christ forgave. And you know, he did also say, forgive your brother in one day, 70 times 7. For me, that's just a way of saying, keep forgiving indefinitely. Hallelujah. So, Biko, I believe to help me, help us forgive, we need to realize that the person doesn't know what he's doing. You mean he doesn't know that he slapped me? You mean he doesn't know that this is my land? The brothers knew that they were selling their brother into slavery. Did they know that they were kicking into activation God's plan to make him their head? Eh? So they didn't know what they were doing. Pilate was sure, Caiaphas was sure that they were crucifying Jesus. Did they know that he was going to rise the third day and be elevated higher than all the heavens that at his name every knee would bow? No, they didn't know. Let me assure you, if Satan knows there are certain things he wouldn't want to do. The people who offend you deliberately don't really know what they are doing. And that's a fact. Secondly, remember that where God is concerned, we have offended by far more. Remember that as the scripture has correctly said, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purposes. 
Remember and realize that offenses must come, and that an offense puts you in a position of spiritual influence for good. The pronouncement of Stephen at his death was pivotal in the life of Saul. At that point of your pain, at that point of your hurt, at that point of your feeling injustice, I beg you, pronounce blessing on the person who is doing evil for you. Pronounce blessing on that your husband, on that your wife, on that your child, on that your boss, on that your mechanic who has eaten your money and run away with it and keeps telling you jabu jabu story. Pronounce blessings upon them. It will follow them and bring them nearer the kingdom in Jesus' name. At that point, only Wutegi pronounce it. So you ask me, did Paul forgive Alexander? Alexander. Paul didn't say, may God do this to Alexander. Paul simply stated the fact. Alexander the Scopper Smith has done me much evil. God is going to pay him back according to what he has done. And that's the truth. Even when I've forgiven someone, if the person does not repent, he will still go to hell. So Paul did not pray and say, May God, like the people said, May the person that dashes your children's head against the rock be blessed. No. Paul simply stated the facts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At that point of pain, pronounce the blessing. Finally, there's someone that needs forgiveness. Perhaps you don't know that person. And that person is you. You've beaten yourself up, kicked yourself up, because you kept knowing that this was not the right thing to do, but you did it. See, Jesus' suffering has satisfied God for your sins. And now Jesus says to you, go, sin no more. God doesn't need you to continue in pain. He doesn't need that. He doesn't want that. It's not going to make him happy. Shall we stand up to pray? I have no power of my own. I have no power. You must forgive. Reach out to God. I confess to you, Holy Spirit of God, I have cried out to God. We cannot but forgive. You recognize that you need the forgiveness of God. You recognize that you need to be cleansed. The thought of your wickedness and your mistakes are a torture to you. 
But you want to be tortured because you know you were wrong. No. No. Someone has received that torture. And what he wants is for you to go free but to sin no more. He wants you to go free but to sin no more. Now let us talk to God ourselves. In the course of the message, it has flashed through your mind, it has flashed through your heart, that forgiveness you need to do. And did you just shut it down and say, we're not going in this way, don't go there. Just don't go there. Get to that place now and begin to talk to God. Get to that file, open it now. And begin to talk to God. There are phone calls we are going to need to make after this service to people whose numbers we had deleted. There are gifts we are going to buy for people who are going to be amazed and wonder. Ah, amazing. There are spouses who are going to be amazed today when we say, Come near me, please. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We ask that your power will continue to rest upon us. That we will walk in forgiveness. Receiving your grace and showing forth the mind of Christ. To you be the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.